You're listening to the private podcast for The Matrix with Amber Smith. Welcome to module two. I think it's good to go in order, not that we have to, but if you will want to revisit these lessons in the future, it might be good just to know like which is what, you know. So today we're going to be talking about speaking your clients into existence and everything builds, as you guys know. So we're going to build on what we talked about yesterday. I did want to mention, you guys know I'm like a book nerd. So how I created today is from a few different books I wanted to share. The first thing we're going to be talking about is being impeccable with your word. So if you haven't read The Four Agreements, I feel like this is like one of those classic books that I reread probably once a year. We're going to talk about the first agreement. We're going to be talking about The Prosperous Coach. This is a new one. I don't know if we've talked about this book before, but Wealth Creation for Coaches by Steve Chandler and his client, Camille Samuel. I don't, actually don't know how to pronounce her name. And then How to Get Clients by Steve Chandler and then Power Versus Force. All of these books kind of built today's lesson in my own integration of it. But if you want to take the work deeper, you could read those books. So yesterday I mentioned something and I said, we create with our thoughts, our words and our actions. And you might have missed it because it wasn't like the big focus. But today we're really going to talk about using our words to speak our clients into existence and to create the kind of client that wants to work with us. But what's cool is you can do this for basically anything, (laughs) right? We speak things and then they turn into our reality. And I want to read a passage actually from the four agreements because like he said it so eloquently. He says, the word is not just a sound or a written symbol. The word is a force. It is the power you have to express and communicate, to think and thereby to create the events in your life. You can speak. What other animal on the planet can speak? The word is the most powerful tool you have as a human. It is the tool of magic. But like a sword with two edges, your word can create the most beautiful dream or your word can destroy everything around you. He goes on to say the human mind is like fertile ground where seeds are continually being planted, our opinions, ideas, and concepts. You plant a seed, a thought, and it grows. The word is like a seed and the human mind is so fertile. The only problem is that too often it is fertile for the seeds of fear. Every human mind is fertile, but only for the kinds of seeds it is prepared for. What is important is to see which kinds of seeds our mind is fertile for and to prepare it to receive the seeds of love. I just love that. And there's another great book that's called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And he describes the mind like planting a seed in the mind. And I think we get this conceptually, but we don't realize that we can also speak things into existence for our business. We can create the kinds of people that come into our life. And this is really powerful. I learned this, like we talked about yesterday, through the law of opposites. I used to think I was reflecting back what I saw when I would say people think I'm too expensive. When I would hear things like my clients don't quite get coaching or they don't understand what I do. I thought I was saying the truth. But what I realized is that I was actually creating these kinds of people in my life. Not because it's bad. It's just not what I wanted. Right. This is how I think about it. Let's say there's two cities. Let's say there's New York and San Francisco. And if I want to go to San Francisco, the types of thoughts and words and actions that I'm going to take to get there are going to be different than the ones that I would take to get to New York. So while I thought I was describing what was happening, what was actually, I was creating this experience of going to New York when I wanted to go to California. I wanted to create clients that loved my work, that understood it, that were excited to pay me, that I was speaking words like my clients think I'm expensive. No one gets what I do. And so one of the things that I want to invite you to do is to really catch the words that you say to yourself about your clients. We think that we're just reporting something that we're seeing. And I want to flip that on its head, which is you are really, truly creating your clients. So if you found yourself thinking things like no one reaches out to me about coaching, you are creating that. 
And what's hard about this work, I think that this is where we get stuck. There is a time buffer between your words and something becoming real, between what you say and what you experience. But what I know to be true is that if you speak something into existence, it will become a reality. And so part of our work really is to monitor the words that come out of our mouth. And to ask yourself, is this what I want to create? Instead of looking at it as I'm reflecting what I see, asking yourself, is this who I want to create as my client? I just read that passage. Being impeccable with your word is only speaking things that you want to experience. And so today is going to be about who do you want to work with? What kinds of clients do you hope come into your world? You get to create that. And to me, this has been so fun because now I feel like I'm in a place in my business where all of the thoughts that I have about my clients are what I'm also experiencing. The thoughts that I used to think and create intentionally and speak intentionally is my reality. And I know that's true for all of you. So no matter what kind of clients you're working with right now, maybe you're there, maybe you're not. This is going to be powerful for you today. The basis of this is that we have the choice. We have the agency to choose what thoughts we think about our clients. And so one of the questions I want you to play with is like, who would you love to speak to? And that's really where I started this work. I'm like, who do I want in my Zoom room? Who would I love to see show up in my client calendar? And it's weird because I think at the beginning, especially when I was like a brand new coach, I was like, well, I'll just coach anyone who comes, right? Anyone who will pay me, I will take. And I think that we have to go through that period where we get experience and we learn. It's almost like an internship. And then we can come into a new phase of business. And that's where I hope all of you are, or at least want to be where we really get to decide who we work with. I think that that's an evolution of all coaches if they stay on the path, right? But even if you're in the beginning, you can start speaking these things. You can start really imagining clients that you want to work with. And what's going to happen is you're going to come up with either characteristics that they have or maybe things that they're working on that you'd love to coach on. Later today, we're going to talk about niche versus nicheless. I don't think it matters. I happen to identify as like a nicheless coach. But if you have a niche, that's great. We're going to talk about both. But the first question, like I said, is like, who would I love to talk to? Who would I love to speak to? Who would I love in my Zoom room? And what kinds of things show up for you? And actually, if you're up for it, I would love to like see it in the chat. What kinds of characteristics do you want? I'll share some of mine while you guys are also sharing. I wanted to work with clients that love to be coached. And that sounds obvious, but I had never spoken it out loud. I was actually at a retreat with some of you guys know, Katie Borland and Mark Butler. We were going around the room, like talking about who we coach. And he's like, I coach people who want to be coached. <laughs> and everyone kind of laughed. But then it was like, that's very profound, right? That he coaches people who want to be coached. You could adopt that if you wanted. But you coach people who love to be coached, who get it. I started speaking into existence that I coached people who get coaching, like who not get it, but like who understand it who understand the concept, who are excited about it. I was bumping in, and maybe you've experienced this before, I was bumping into people who were like, I don't understand what a coach is. I don't really get this thing. And what I realized is I didn't have to be in resistance to that. They just probably weren't my client. I could just make room in my mind for the people who got it, who understood it and wanted it. Those are my clients. Some other thoughts that I have is that my clients love to grow and invest. Like they love it. They're excited about it. They're not intimidated by it. My clients reach out to me was another really powerful creation for me. I am very introverted. I never really resonated with go out and make things happen. I never like to persuade my clients on calls. And there's this dominant way of thinking in the marketing industry that you have to like overcome objections or be really persuasive and understand how to do mental gymnastics on a call. And I don't think that it doesn't work. I think it does work. It just didn't align with me. It didn't feel good to me. And so I started to wonder, like, is there another way to create clients? And then I was like, what if my clients reach out to me? 
that was really powerful. And now that's true. My clients do reach out to me when they're ready to create coaching. Actually, I just saw your comment. Yes to the coachable clients. Yeah. And also clients that are really excited about the work and willing to possibly be uncomfortable in the beginning. I think that doesn't have to like be separate, right? They can be really excited and a little nervous, but they still want it. Jen, my clients think I'm funny. They get my sense of humor. I love that. Yeah. You like want to be able to kind of play a little bit and they get it. They're not like, what? Your clients get it. The other thought that I have is that my clients are geniuses. And I think this is really powerful because sometimes there's so many different steps that we have in internet marketing, <laughs> right? There's sales pages and DMs and posts and websites and stuff. And sometimes I think we complicate it in our mind. But if I believe my clients are geniuses, they can figure it out. Sometimes like in the beginning, I'm like, but how will my clients know that I'm taking new clients? How will they know that that's what I'm doing if I don't want to always be promoting my one-on-one? And now I believe that my clients are geniuses. They will figure it out how to work with me. So it's not that I don't talk about it. It's not that I'm not open for it. It's that I believe that they can figure it out while I do my work. Yesterday, I talked about the post that I made about the White House. It's not that I don't show up and shine my light and tell people what I do. It's that I also believe in their ability to come and figure out what's next. I lay out the steps and then they are willing to take it. They don't need me to handhold them. They don't need me to baby them. They got this. They're amazing. They're incredible. They're geniuses. The next thought that I have, my clients let me know they are ready to work together. So that's something that I think applies both to people who are in your orbit, right? The people that you maybe hope to work with or they let you know that they're interested in working together. But I also treat my consults like this. If they're a no, I trust that. I don't feel like I have to overcome their objections on the call. I trust their timing. And this is what's interesting is some people come back when they're ready. I had people that are a no on a consult and then a few weeks or months later, they're like, okay, I'm ready. Perfect. Because I believe they're going to let me know when they're ready. I've also had people that obviously were yes on consult. And I've had people that were a no and then they never came back. And I'm okay because of the foundation that we talked about yesterday where I don't need them to be a yes. And I think that creates space for people to really opt in with their own choice to the coaching container. And I think that creates miracles when they are super excited. Something that I found is that if I had to convince someone to work with me, I had to convince them that this was a good idea basically the whole time that I coached them for the whole six months. It was like I was trying to persuade them that this was a good idea. And that looks like getting coached on being coached. If you've had clients like that where they're constantly needing coaching on the coaching or the investment, they're afraid of making the money back. They're afraid of that they're not ready. They're afraid that this is a mistake. How else did it show up for me? It was like they needed to confirm that this was a good decision. If I had to convince them in the beginning, I don't think this is always true. I don't think anything is always true in this regard, but I do think it was something that I saw over and over again. So I just decided to speak something new and my clients powerfully decide to work together. And that was something that I shifted in my own way of speaking. And so I just wanted to offer it in case you've had people that you felt like you needed to convince the whole time that you were working together that it was a good idea. And some of the characteristics that I've chosen to think and create is like my clients are fun and kind. My clients are seekers of truth. So we resonate that way. My clients are coachable, kind of like Ashley said, like it's so much easier to coach people who are coachable. And so now my clients are coachable. And if they're not coachable, they're just not my client. And that's okay. I don't need everyone to be my client. And that's something that I think allows us to bring the love and the service without being attached to who becomes a client. My clients are no drama. That was always very important to me that my clients didn't bring drama into my life and my clients are service focused. Those are some of mine. I've loved reading some of yours. If you also want to add some to the chat and you haven't yet, I like to have clients that are open to some magic and have really curious minds. I love that. Amber, how do you tell a client that is not a good fit? I tell them that I don't think it's a good fit. 
<laughs> I think it's case by case, but let's say if a client is really resistant to coaching or maybe the investment, I just feel super stressed about the investment. Like I'm nervous. Like, can you give me coaching on it? I'm like, maybe now is not the right time. And when the time is right, we can talk again. But I want to give you the space to make a powerful decision and to feel good. I always say I want to feel like a stretch, but not unsafe. That's kind of how I handle that. And so if it feels unsafe, it's probably not the right time for us to work together. And that's okay. And when it's truly okay in my heart, they feel that too. There's no judgment. I'm just being honest about what I see. Ashley, if you have like different issue that's coming up on why they're not a good fit, I'd love to hear it or you can type it in, whatever. Because I think it can be case by case too. Like if they're not coachable, that might be something that's a little harder to describe. Do you have a follow-up to that, Ashley? Like why they're not a good fit? Hey, Amber. So yeah, sometimes when I'm working with a client, it doesn't feel good. Like they're not coachable. They're not doing the work, basically. Mm -hmm. And when I say that they're not coachable, it's almost like I'm pulling, trying so hard to like get them to participate in the conversation and like it's not working. And so it usually happens while we're already working together. And it's only been with a couple of clients, but I'm like, how do you then say, you know, you're midway through it or whatever. And it's like, what do I say? So I think I mentioned yesterday that I let a client go because I think this is appropriate here. When I feel like I'm pulling someone along or like, what's the right word? Because we do want to lead. It's not that we don't lead. It's almost like they sat down and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And you're like, come on, like, you got this. And I no, no, like they're not saying this, but they're acting like, you know, I really don't feel like this is good for me anymore or like it doesn't resonate. I think you have a few choices. I don't think it's ever one thing. I think sometimes it's appropriate to fire a client and let them go and give them half their money back or whatever to refund. Sometimes it's like you need to have a boundary conversation, like revisiting what coaching is and how it works. It's like a powerful agreement between two people. Do you like working with them? Did they used to be good clients and then it shifted? No. And like, that's the thing that I kind of have a hard time. Like, is it just their personality that I don't jive with necessarily? I was like, are you getting out of this experience what you were hoping to get? And they're like, yeah. And then I'm like, wow, could have fooled me. So then on that side, one of the other options is that you have to release your judgments of them. That we stop judging that how they are showing up is either good or bad or right or wrong. It might be this is how they show up. And I think communication will help you understand which is which. Because sometimes, like they said, like, oh, yeah, like I'm totally, I love this. And you're like, oh, interesting. Good thing you clarified that so that I can drop my judgments and go back into my zone of coaching instead of judging. That's why I think all of these things, like when we kind of have some friction, I think having a boundary conversation is really important or just like revisiting kind of like when you begin working with a client where like, this is how we work together. This is how you can get in touch with me. This is like what I expect of you. This is what you can expect of me, like an agreement. Sometimes we have to have multiple of those conversations, especially, Ashley, I know you work with your clients for like six months, right? Mm -hmm. The longer the container, I think the more often you actually have to revisit that kind of conversation. And I think that in certain cases, it is appropriate to let a client go if that is useful to you. Not always. The other thing that I like to create is like what my clients are working on. So, and like I said, this is niche or nicheless, but like what kinds of things are they wanting to solve for? What kinds of things are they creating? And this always gets me excited. I'm like, oh, like what if my client's like solving for this? Like I would love to help them with this. And that's something that we create too. You'll be shocked at like when you speak something, it comes into <laughs> your life. Like, I don't even know this is an option. This is great. And so on that line, there's a lot of ways this shows up, right? Sometimes it's like they can grow into this creation. Sometimes you meet them like that. 
And I think both is awesome. I think that people become our clients. And even in the marketing of this program, I said creating. And on the sales page, I was like, this isn't about attracting. This isn't about coercing. This is about creating. Because one of the things I want to offer is that sometimes people come into your life and it feels like they're not a client and you can create them into a client based on your thinking about them, based on how you see them and what you believe about what they're capable of. People can become a client in a conversation with you. When I think about it this way, I'm not attached to any specific person becoming a client, but I'm always open for people becoming a client. The way that I see people, the way that I speak about people, they can become my client if they also want that. And then I get to work with people that I love. I get to work with people that I'm excited about or geniuses and all the things I just described. Are there any questions or does anyone want to add? You guys, I love what you guys have said so far because this is who you want to work with, right? And there's those kinds of people exist in the world and now you're a match for them because you're speaking it. Any other things that people have, like characteristics or ways of being that you want to speak into existence for the clients you work with? Can I just say something real quick? Yeah. I actually love when my clients become my friends. And I know that some coaches don't. I don't think either is right or wrong. I think it's just really good to know that about yourself. And to me, that helps me attract clients because I'm like, well, yeah, if this person's going to be my friend, like I want them to be a certain way. So even if you don't officially like have a friendship or the coaching like container, I think it's still helpful to think about it in those terms. Like, is this person I want to spend time with? Who are the people I want to spend time with? So for me, that's been really helpful. I love that. And I'm glad you said that because I also become friends with my clients. It's not like a mandatory thing, but I feel like I stay in my clients' lives even outside of our coaching container. We stay in touch. And I like that. Thank you for sharing that. It's so beautiful. And I think too, maybe it gives you even language for things that You wouldn't necessarily think of in a coach client, but you know what kinds of people are your friends. And it's almost like that familiar emotion. We can be together in harmony and we like each other's company. I love that question. Is this a person I want to spend time with? Because especially, I mean, coaching, it's you and them in the Zoom room together (laughs) or in person, you know, in person coaching. But I think it's a valid question because I think when we really want to be there, our clients can feel it. And when we don't want to be there, our clients can feel it, even if they can't articulate it. There's just something off. We'll talk later in this program about pricing. And I think that coaches have what I call like a resentment number. I think that applies to, you don't want to resent saying yes to this client. And so I think all of these creations, all the things that I think about in a client allows me truly to show up in a way that I want to be there. I'm in my power. I'm ready to serve. This is true and authentic. Like I'm sure for you. And that's created with the way that we think and speak. So I want to talk about this idea of creations. This is years ago. But I just read the book, The Prosperous Coach. I decided to change my pricing. I was charging like 900 bucks for six weeks. And then I shifted into like the 7K offer. And in the book, he kind of talked about this idea of like not taking payment plans. And I really latched onto that for whatever reason. I was like, I'm going to do 7K, no payment plans. I'm going to do that. And I was like in that journaling process. And I was like, what kind of coach would I need to be? A lot of the work that I offered yesterday I need to be a powerful coach. I need to not need anything. I need to come from service. I need to believe that I can deliver that kind of experience. I also knew it was not for everyone. In that work, I'm like, okay, this kind of coaching isn't for everyone. Who would it be? And I kind of made this little list, kind of the person that I see coming into my world and that she would be excited and ready and want a longer term coaching experience with me and want more high level coaching that maybe wasn't just about business. That was more about life. And I remember the first time someone like sent me a voice message on Instagram that was like, I see that you're doing this kind of coaching. I'm super curious. And I was like, it worked. She's the kind of person that I want to work with. It didn't happen instantly, but it did happen. And that was like really my first 
proof, not that we need evidence to believe. In fact, I think I believed before she came, but people do reach out. That is a possibility for you, that they want to work with you and they're going to ask you how that can be based on what you create with your thinking and with your words. And so I love this because if you resonate with the thought, my clients come to me, it's like a useful way to do business. I know that sounds weird, but it's like a cool business model, right? That you shine your light, that you show up the way that you know how you're adding value and your clients come to you as a possibility. So one of the things that I think is important too is to know like what kind of results your clients are wanting to create. And this is where we're going to start talking about like niche versus niche list. Because I think when you're excited about what your clients are working on, they can feel that. Everyone likes to work with a coach that's like genuinely excited to talk to them about their dreams and their struggles and their people, their loves. And so I think that can be your creation too. What problems would you love to solve? If you've already decided this, so I guess I should make this before we dive into this kind of conversation. If you already have a niche and you love it, listen to this for more ideas, not to change your mind. Listen to this to inspire you or to maybe give you new words, but don't listen to this and be like, I have to change everything. That's not the point. If you're on the border and you're like, I don't know if I want a niche or to be without a niche, this might help you decide that. If you wanted to go nicheless for your 101, I highly recommend it. <laughs> Not that you have to if you don't want to, but if that's something that calls to you, it's a valid way to create a coaching business. And so the way that I think about it is what I would love to help people create in their life. And there's no right or wrong. It's just what you find interesting, what you love to solve for, what you love to discuss, what you'd love your clients to bring to you on a session. You can choose that. And I think when we do this, our energy is very authentic. Like we are genuinely excited for what our clients bring to us in a session and you get to choose this. So what would you love to help people solve? What would you love to help people create? What kinds of results? What kinds of relationships? What kinds of financial situations? What kinds of maybe emotional experiences, right? Quality of life. I and mean, then that's a possibility for you. If you have a niche, you're thinking through what kinds of specific results can I help people create? And one of the things that I think most coaches do is we like undersell ourselves, but what we could help with and what kinds of results people can get. I like to like make a whole like list, like what kinds of things do people get when they work with me? And maybe this isn't something that goes like on a sales page or in your marketing, but in your own mind, it's like, these are all the things. In the original pro coach, if you've gone through that course, I talked about like getting sold on you, right? This idea that like when people come into my world, their life changes. And this is kind of where we marry what we talked about yesterday with today. I'm going to reference Rich Levin a lot because I really resonate with the way that he teaches this. He was getting coached himself and he was selling these like 30 minute instant confidence sessions and it was going well. Like he was making money and he was doing things that his coach asked him a very powerful question, which is like, is this what you want to be known for your work? Like, is this what you want to be known for instant confidence sessions? And he had this like paradigm shift where he's like, no, I want to be known for like you spend a year with me and your life is never the same. And when I heard that, it resonated with me. I'm like, that's the kind of coach that I want to be. I just didn't know that was possible. I didn't know that was a choice. And so one of the things that I think is really powerful is to listen inside, like what kinds of results do you want to help people get? What kinds of things do you want to work on? What kind of people do you want to talk with? What kind of relationship? Like I love that what Mariah said about like, I want to be able to be friends with my clients. I resonate with that. I want to be able to have this person like be a trustworthy, good person. I want my clients to be trustworthy and good and to do good things. And I think that when we break free from like what it should be versus what we want, we get clarity and then our words have more power, right? We know who we're talking to and it's okay if people aren't that way. We can release them from our judgments and expectations if they're not our clients. I met someone like a mutual friend and she like could not believe I charge what I charge. I do what I do. Like she could not believe it. 
And I remember just being at total peace because I didn't feel like I needed to convince her. I'm like, I can totally see how you think that. I can totally see that this isn't for you. And it wasn't a judgment. It was just like, you're not my person. You're not my client. I'm not trying to sell you coaching. And I think when we think about it this way, we get to be who we want to be in the world, even if people don't get it. (laughs) Even if like people we love don't get it. My grandma thinks I build people's websites. Like she still thinks that. (laughs) She thinks that what I do for a living is like build a website for people who have coaching businesses, which is hilarious. And I don't feel the need to like argue against that or even like explain myself because in her mind, I help people have an online presence. And that means that I build the technology to make that possible. And because she's not my client, I'm not trying to sell her. It just is what it is. And so I think it's easy to see this with people that we don't know, but it's also just as powerful on a console. If people don't quite get what you do, if people don't quite understand why you're charging what you're charging or how you deliver what you deliver, or even just the way that you've set it up, that's okay. It's just not for them because you know who it's for because that's the work we're doing today. You are creating it and consciously choosing it, and then you're going to experience it. And so I think if you have like a nicheless idea, niche or nicheless, I think it can be confusing to be like, well, how do I take someone on a journey? Like, let's say you just met someone, you're like, they could be a client, they might not. Like, this is where that be, do, house comes into play. I'm being me in every relationship. I'm serving, I'm asking good questions, I'm showing love, I'm non-judgmental. But the container looks different. And so if someone is not a client, if someone does not fit in what you hope and create your clients to be, that's okay. Doesn't mean that they can't become that person, but it means that we can release all expectations. You don't need them to be a client. And I think that this is just a powerful way to have like conversations before they hire you. Maybe it's like in the DMs or they're texting you or they're commenting on your posts or whatever, however you're creating clients. But I also think, like I said, even if someone said, I'm interested in working with you, can we talk about it? I still release them from any and all expectations of what I think they should be. They shouldn't be anything. It's just if you are this kind of person and you want these kinds of things, we could be a good fit together. And I like to say, like, maybe we create miracles. That's what I like to say. Like I said, if you took the old pro coach, I had this other module that was like energetic match. And I think that this is how we become an energetic match is we know who we are for. And if people aren't that way, that's OK. But we don't dim our light. We don't stop being that person. That's how we have faith, right? That's just who we are being. And we trust that our clients are going to find us because we are shining our light and they are looking. That's another thing. What if it was true that your clients are looking for a coach like you? Why not create that your clients are looking for a coach like you? I think it's kind of fun to think about. One of the things that I said, almost like imagine is like, what is my client going through that's preparing them for our work together? Kind of fun to think about because our clients already exist, right? They are already in the world experiencing things. Why not see that they're being prepared for your work just like you are being prepared for the work too? I love the thought that my clients find me and think, where have you been my whole life? I love that. And when we think about it that way, it's not even like you're manipulating. It's not like a selfish thing. I think sometimes when we get paid for helping others, it can be easy to be convinced that it's like hard for them to pay us or like it's like the sacrifice. But what have they been looking for you? What if you are the answer to prayer, right? The solution that they wanted. I think it's fun to think about it that way. And so our job is to just be a match for that to one, believe that they're already out there. I think it does not serve you to think your clients aren't in your current audience. I don't think it's helpful to think thoughts like, I don't know where my clients are or that my audience isn't full of ideal clients. Like, why would you think that? It seems like you're reporting, but that's like the creative use of words versus like the response of words or the reaction of words. Why not choose to believe your clients are already in your orbit? Your next clients already know you and are thinking about working with you right now. They already are right now. And then 
to take the next step further. If you want to assign them, my clients reach out to me today. My clients are reaching out to me or whatever thought resonates with you. That's what I like to believe that my clients reach out to you and they're ready and they're ready today. And so I think before I open it up for questions and to kind of make it more of a discussion, I think people can feel our thoughts about them, whether they could tell you that or not. And I think you have evidence of this in your own life, right? When people love you and appreciate you and they love you for who you are, you experience that from them. I think our clients experience that from us long before they ever hire us. And so I think part of this is first just becoming aware of how you've been describing your clients, right? Without judgment, just observing. How have you been describing your clients? I know for me, it was like, it was almost this like misunderstood, like people don't get it or people don't want it. I thought I was just reflecting back that people didn't want my coaching when no one was signing. Like, well, people just don't know me or people don't get my coaching. And I was creating that. And so I had to speak something new, which is like, people love my coaching. People resonate with my coaching. People are looking for my coaching. That's just a choice in words. And that's like what this whole idea is today is that we speak our clients into existence. And it's going to feel weird in the beginning if you've never done this type of thing before, where it's like active. It's like people are already wanting to hire me today. It's a very active use of our language. I like it because it just speaks to possibility, right? It means that someone can reach out to you today about coaching. It means someone's been silently watching you, waiting for the right time. And all you have to do is get into alignment with that truth and then they will be ready. For me, believing that my clients are geniuses, believing that my clients reach out to me when they're ready, not that I don't do work, not that I don't shine my light or sing my music or whatever, but that they know how to get in touch with me, that becomes true. And it just feels way better to have clients that are pursuing you and your work than trying to overcome people's objections to the work, if that makes sense. And so I think it is a useful way to think about coaching is that people who want coaching find you and reach out to you. This isn't just like fairy dust and magic. This can be real. This can be your reality. So with that said, does anyone have any questions or clarity that they want from what we've talked about so far? Does any of you feel like this is too good to be true, to just believe this and experience this? (laughs) Jen, I see your hand. That with confirmation because I've been thinking about this so much in terms of like what my clients are solving for, and I feel like I keep kind of just running into a wall there, which now I'm speaking that into existence. But I really like this shift of thinking it in terms of like just who they are. Like you said, Mark said, people who love to be coached. Like I've been saying for a while, like to my clients, I'm like, how do I get more clients like you who just get it and are funny and yeah. sharp? And I'm like, how do I say that in my marketing? And it's like, it's not even that I have to say to my marketing, I just have to believe that those are my clients. And that they'll find you. When I have a client that like I love and I'm like, I want more of you, I tell them because that's speaking it. And so now it's like, they're already following you. They already love you. They're going to reach out to you. What if that was just true? They reach out to you about coaching. I'm curious what you think about this. What if it's okay that you don't know what your clients even want to create? What if they come to you very open? Does that resonate with you? I mean, that's kind of what I've been playing with lately. It's just like, yeah, my clients, half the time, they don't know what they come to me for. And sometimes yeah. it clarifies into something specific and sometimes it just doesn't. They don't yeah. even know why they're there and that's fine. They yeah. just know they like to be there. I'm so glad you said this. So I think what I spoke about today is new clients. I think once we have a relationship with clients, the reasons they stay might be different. And in fact, I have a lot of evidence that it is different. It's more of a relationship. They like talking to you. They like having you a part of their lives. It's not necessarily specific results. It's like, I like talking to you every week or every other week. And I just want you to stay in my life. My life is better when I talk to you. I think that's a hard sell to someone who doesn't know you, who hasn't had that experience. And so that's kind of interesting. I bet you have a lot of renewals, Den. Is that true? Yeah, and I have had a couple of people who leave and come back and they're like, everything was just better when 
you were yes, here. Yes, that's awesome. And it's such a fun place to be. I had a podcast coming out in a couple of weeks about renewals and referrals in 101. And when I was recording it, I'm like, this is like the secret sauce of a coach is having renewals and referrals because then it's like you almost go to step two instead of really explaining or like talking about what you could be. They get it. They're just a yes. You know, they're like, I'm in. But I think for today, it was more of like the people who aren't clients yet. And so you might play around with what if the client experience you have with your current clients, it could be that way with a new client where they're just like, I don't know what it is, but I just resonate with you. What if that was enough for them to reach out to you? I like that. Yeah. Anyone else have a question or a thought that they wanted to bring up? Just a quick add to that. I had a consult last week and she said the main reason she booked with me particularly is because I had shared some of my favorite reads of 2022 yeah. on my Instagram. Clearly she was a reader and she liked that I was a reader. So yeah. it really like emphasized to me that it's good to share those little things about yourself. That's what people would connect with. Yep. I think that speaks to this idea that like people don't necessarily, it's not that they don't care what you know. They really care about who you are and they want to see that and feel that, you know, and that's what they resonate with. So that's awesome. Anyone else have like a question or just a thought? It doesn't have to necessarily be about building this conversation. Maybe you got stuck on something or maybe you don't believe me. That's okay. You can bring it. Amber, I have something to share. So I had a one-on-one -on -one session with Amber yesterday and we were chatting about how I've just sold my business. I want to just really lean out of the hustle for the next little while and just totally be my authentic self and my stories with like no ulterior motives or desire to sign clients or do anything. And I just this morning got a DM from a girl saying like, hey, I'm ready to work together one-on-one. What do I do to sign up? And it was just literally made me laugh because it was just like, you can't make these things up. Like in the act of leaning out of the hustle, of leaning out of striving to find a client, it resulted in me sharing a different side of myself in my Instagram stories, which I think is what part of what prompted her to DM me today. But it was just like, you can't make this stuff up. The very act of leaning out of the hustle, leaning out of the striving, I think is what created this client specifically. Yeah, I love that. Who you are. And like he showed a different side of you and that was a match for that person. I like this. I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> so awesome. I think I mentioned this yesterday. One of the best ways to kind of deconstruct why people hire you is to figure out why you hire your coaches. And so when I was doing this a couple of years ago, like I didn't listen to my coach's content. I barely followed her on social media, but she made an impact with who she was in the world. It was someone that I did think about. And like admired and saw the way that she thought and her values and the way that she was being a lighthouse. Even if I wasn't like hanging on every word, she was someone that I wanted to work with. And I have a lot of evidence of that in my own one-on-one -on -one coaching clients. It's not that they necessarily hang on my every word. I think they resonate with the way that I am in the world. And so content or not, they have a relationship with me before we become coach-client relationships in their own mind. And I think this helps me just truly believe that clients come to me from places known and unknown. That's a thought that I used to really practice believing. And now I just believe that you don't have to know where your clients are going to come from. Like Kaylin, you had no idea she was going to reach out to you this morning unless it's someone that's been in your orbit. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, she has been. We did a consult okay. probably like six months ago. She was like, it's just not the right time. So yeah, she's definitely yep. been in my orbit. But it was just a beautiful truth to me of like, I don't have to try so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I can just like show up and have fun showing up. And for some reason that works. It's so different than how I've trained myself over the last several years. It's like, well, if you want the results, you got to put it in the work. This feels very different than that, but in the most beautiful way. Yeah, I love that. This sounds like very semantics, but I think that it'll prove the point that I'm trying to make, which is like there's a difference between trying to sign clients and choosing to 
trying feels like I'm on this treadmill and like I have to do certain things and there's things that I need to check off my list and this like frantic energy versus like, yeah, I choose to sign clients. It's a choice, but it's not this energy of like hustle or overcoming or struggle. And that might be hard for you to hear if if you feel like signing clients is a struggle. And I just want to offer that it doesn't have to be when you learn to think creatively instead of think reactively. And what's interesting is the less you try to sign clients, like what Kaylin just described, and you're just being who you know you need to be in the world, your clients will find you. Especially if you have an intention that you are signing clients. If you're choosing to send clients, they will come. Anyone have thoughts about that? I have like a little sticky notes on my computer. I missed one that I actually say. So this is going to feel like it's random because it was about something I was talking about earlier. But to go back, one of the things that has helped me is when a client can afford my coaching, that's okay. It's just they're not my client. And that seems almost like rude. But I heard this story in the book, The Ultimate Coach. I mentioned it yesterday. And he charges 200K to work with him one-on-one, which is it seems like not very many people could afford that. But one of the stories he shared in the book or was shared about him in the book is someone was like, well, you give me a discount. I need your family. Like, give me a discount so I can work with you. And he's like, I would never devalue you like that and your ability to make the money to work with me. And at first I was like, what? But now I realize that it comes from his belief in people that like, I know you can create this money if you wanted to. And if you don't, that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're bad. It just means I know you could. And to me, that helped me realize like this really is about creating people as powerful, as geniuses, as able to figure it out. And so if you have ever have that price objection, seeing people as they could be your client if they choose to be, that they have that power, I think is a really powerful stance. And it doesn't mean that you're judging people who truly can't afford you. It doesn't mean you're forsaken. Like, I don't care about you. This is why I like doing tears to my programs. I want to help people at different price points. And that feels good to me. But I also know if someone really wants one-on-one, I would never devalue you like that. I know you're powerful. I know you can do this. And to me, if people have a price objection, that's not bad. It's not something to overcome. It's not something that is like showing their limiting thinking. But I do think it's an option for you to expand their thinking and expand what's possible for them. I think that that's just a powerful way to come in life. It's like, I don't assume anything. And I have seen people do incredible things to get what they want. And I really see people as powerful enough to do that. And if that does not resonate with you, toss it. But I just wanted to offer it because I think coaching and even just prices about anything in general, the way that we feel about it can be empowering or disempowering. It can be loving or fearful. And I always want to help people feel powerful and loving around me, even if we're not going to work together. And so one of the things that Steve Chandler and Rich Lipman teach in The Prosperous Coach that I really resonate with is to leave conversations in the context of possibility, not affordability. Because I think if we really see our role as helping people create whatever result they want, one of the results they might want is to be able to hire you one-on-one, no matter what you charge. And if you believe in their ability to do that, even just a consult, even a conversation with you can create that possibility in their mind. That could be something that I do. And that's how I like to leave people, right? Like in the context of possibility. And so that helps me create my clients or create my people in my sphere as powerful beings. Like that's how I see them. And I want them to know that. And so that's kind of how I handle that scenario. Okay, that seemed random because I missed that little slide in my mind. So I wanted to make sure I said it because I think that's really empowering. When he shared that story, I'm like, wow, like that's pretty incredible. And he meant it. Like, I really feel like you could be the kind of person that works with me one on one, no matter what your situation is now. I only see possibility and I'm not going to take that away from you. Okay, any other thoughts or struggles, questions, clarity about creating our clients with our words? Anyone struggling to create clients right now that feels brave enough to hop on? 
Hey, Amber. So speaking of like inventory clients, my inventory right now is three one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a good friend come up to me in church the other day to say, I did not know you were a life coach. And she's like, I'm looking for a life coach for my daughter. So her daughter's 30, still lives up there. I mean, I've grown this world since she was a teenager. And she just said, you know, she's been to therapy for a long time and it's just, she hasn't made any progress and we think she needs a life coach. And so in this conversation, it's kind of like they're trying to get her to take more responsibility for her life and they think she needs a life coach. She doesn't really want that. And so it's tricky because, you know, I get a lot of this, like moms want to help for their kids. It's just interesting. Like I kind of said like, oh yeah, I can meet with her. We can talk, you know, but I know from it's exactly what you said. I want to coach people that want coaching. So like in these conversations with these moms, I'm trying to figure out how to address it. <laughs> we can try, but this is something they're doing just to appease you. Probably not going to get the results, you know, that you're yeah. going for. I think being honest about that is important. I also think this is something that I think you and I worked on a long time ago about the difference between a customer and a client. When we work with teenagers, a lot of times the customer is the parent, but the client is who you're coaching and that can be hard. So you might just be really honest with the mom and maybe you make it part of your protocol that you meet with them before it's a yes. It's like, well, I'm open to it, but I have to talk to her before I'm willing to say yes. Yeah, I think it's an interesting shift going from like, I need clients to feeling like I can be picky about my clients or I should be picky. And I don't even know if it's picky. It's just like, this is who I choose to work with. This is my kind of person, you know? And if they're not that kind of person, that's not a judgment. It's not like you're bad. You're not my person. Like, I actually don't know if you're a good fit, but I'm open to helping you find a good fit or helping you become a good fit if that's what you want. Yeah, I like that. And maybe the daughter really could be excited to work with you. Uh, I need to give it a chance and like just see. Yes. Like, you, you know, I think that that's one of those creative possibilities. Like you might just say, I need to talk to her before I even know, because she might be skeptical. I actually love coaching people that are skeptical because I think it's like really fun to challenge ways of thinking. We've talked about this too. Like I'm skeptical of the coaching industry and I think that makes me good. I don't just believe things. I like think through things. And so she's skeptical or if she's not sure what an opportunity for you to give your gift to her, even if she never hires you. Just having a conversation, I think would be really powerful. I feel like I was being really close-minded about it. (laughs) I don't think that's close-minded at all. Yeah, it's interesting, I think, when there's people who want other people to get coaching. I think you and I actually talked about in the miracle mind of like, maybe you need coaching. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe well, the mom needs coaching and we could talk about that too. Yeah, well, that's when I coached a lot of teenagers yeah. and hear their stories. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> I think too, even the way that Rich Lippin teaches how to enroll clients who are referrals. And I think maybe it's C. Taylor. I can't remember. Well, one of them said basically like, Tell me more about why you think that they want coaching. What's going on for them? And really like creating with the person who wants to refer, even if the referral is a mom, really digging and getting her excited because it is exciting. Even if the daughter's not on board yet, she might be like Jenna Alford. Maybe she is. We just don't know yet. Yeah. Even if she's not, getting the mom excited about possibilities can help the mom enroll her daughter as your client in a way that's exciting instead of like a chore as possibility instead of like you're doing this. Because imagine the difference if you guys have this amazing conversation. She's like, I love what you offer. I'm so excited. Like, tell me more. And you like create this new possibility. Then she gets to go with that possibility to her daughter. And she has like examples and stories to draw from her conversation with you. Instead of being like, I talked to a life coach. I think you need to see her. Yeah, that is totally the energy that she came to with me. Like, we don't know. We're at our wit's end. We're telling her this is the only option if you want to keep living with us. And it's just really interesting. Like, I can see going in with that energy is just totally different. Create with the mom so that the mom and the daughter can create together. I think that that feels more fun. 
gives her her power back, right? That she can see that she's a participant in the creative process instead of this is what's being done to me. Like I'm choosing this. I'm excited. I see some possibility or at least I'm willing to try is very different than like, okay, my mom said I have to do this. Okay. That was really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Love all that. Any other questions about client creation? I will talk. Good. Hi, Lonnie. So you kind of know, like I've struggled to create one-on-one clients a little bit and I'm really trying to focus on like my beliefs and my messaging too so like how I'm wording stuff in like my stories and everything and like I've been trying to basically just like sell free calls like consoles but people aren't really signing up for them so I'm like I don't know if this type of thing just doesn't resonate with the people in my audience or what else I should try but like and this is for one-on-one by the way for people who don't know I think like the beliefs that you said today and everything you said today is really helpful for me, but I'm kind of like, okay, where do I go from here? How long do I keep trying to just like sell the calls the way I'm selling them or try to, I don't know, a different approach? Yeah. So I'm going to go like a layer a little bit deeper. What do you believe about your audience right now? Like unfiltered, what are your thoughts about them? What you were saying earlier kind of resonated where it was like, oh, they don't understand coaching. Sometimes I get that feeling slash belief, which I'm trying to work on. And maybe they don't want to pay for this level or make this big of an investment. But like, I also have the beliefs that I'm trying to develop and like working on. What story are you wanting to tell? This is exactly what I was talking about on this call. Your client found you, reached out to you, asked you about your coaching. You did it. So yeah, I guess I just need to get over the fact that it might not come from my stories. My Instagram stories. Clients come from places known and unknown. If yeah. we say clients need to come from my stories to be like legit, we severely limit how we create clients. What That's if true. clients come from everywhere and anywhere? I think one of the things that we do is like we make that a fluke. Well, this client was different because she didn't come the way that I thought they would come or the way that I wanted them to come. But she came. You created her. I think it's like what Kaylin was saying. It was just like ingrained in my brain to do it one way for so long. Yeah, or the client yeah. has to be hard. Or that like has to come from like the content that I put out. I guess I'm just like having a hard time. Like I was actually just coaching someone this morning that I was like, I've never created a client just from content. My one-on-ones at least. Yeah. It's always been from conversations and a relationship with me. And then the time becomes right. The desire is born. And I know that that's not going to resonate with everyone. In fact, I remember Ashley talking about how sometimes she does send clients because they read like a post or something like that. And that's okay. It's not that we can't create clients from content. It's just that we don't make rules where clients can only come from content or stories. Clients come from all over. She came from a relationship with you outside of your content. And that's okay. So it's working. Yeah, it's working. It's just like not like correlation and causation. You are causing clients. In the exact way that you thought they, not the avenue that you thought they would come. Yeah. Trusting that like, it's not directly come from the work that I'm doing, but the work that I'm doing will still, they'll come around eventually. Use the lighthouse example. It'd be like if there's two ships like in the sea and one sees you, the lighthouse, and they're like, they tell their other ship like, hey, you should go follow that lighthouse. Yeah. You could be like, I didn't create it. Or you could be like, no, like I've been standing here sharing my message, being my most authentic self, sharing truth, sharing light, trying to serve, telling people how I can help. And yeah. it worked. Whether it came directly from the way that I thought it would or not, I think releasing that you need to predict how they come is actually more in line with like pure potentiality, which is something we'll talk about too. Right. That they can come from places known and unknown all the time, always. Which goes back to like my control issues. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the more you try to control, the more you limit who comes to you. Yes, that's so good. Thanks. 
they can all come from places yeah. not known, from your relationships, from referrals, from old high school friends. A lot of my clients are lurkers. They like, don't tell me they're going to hire me. And all of a sudden we're working together. Like, that's okay. I don't try to control where people come from because I think it feels safe to control. We've talked about that before, but for everyone else who has control, I resonate with the need to control killing. So I know that there's people that are going to resonate with what this conversation is showing is that when we try to control, we block other options, right? We're not open to them. We don't think that other options can work instead of believing my clients find a way to me, no matter if it's a way that I think that they're going to come or just another way. I'm open to both. Any other questions? I have a question. Maybe I need a little coaching on this same type of idea. So I totally believe that people come from different places. So I just found out like 500 people started my series, probably because they saw Utopia is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like there was more of a 500 more than typical. And so as I think about attracting the right people for this in a different way, I'm not sure how to make my brain think of different ways because I just keep defaulting back to what has worked in the past. And I don't necessarily want to do the opposite of what has been done in the past, but I want to create something new. I'm not sure how to do that. Do you want to kind of declare it like from the unknown or do you actually want to create new ways to market and to reach your clients? What's the difference? So like what I was just talking about with Lonnie, right? Like yeah. she didn't know how this client was going to come and that was okay. She just let that be. And then they came, right. but she doesn't know how. That's possible. But I think another way to think about it is like, I want you to create more avenues for my clients to find me. That's uh, the way I'm thinking. Yeah. So what I like to do is inverse thinking here. If I made a list of ways with you and for people who don't know, Cindy is an author. So this is like a little different, but still principles apply. How would you not? create more readers what i have been doing. so that's interesting i mean so, honestly so like if i was going to do this so i would keep doing what i'm doing not writing i mean i have been writing now i've yeah. changed that but what i had been doing you know not publishing never posting not doing any type of ad like do you have like friends or colleagues that share your stuff not recently well, I have three that we kind of talk about it, but no collaborations going on as of late, which I used to do all of these things. But I don't want to redo what I was doing before. You were doing all of these things before? Oh, yeah. And that didn't feel good to you? Maybe it was the way I was doing it. Or maybe I was just a different person than when I was doing it before. You are a different person. And that's good to realize. I put no fun because it seems like the way that you think about or at least describe these things, it was almost like robotic. If it was like a party or like intriguing and exciting and engaging, what would you be doing? I would be posting on social media. I would be collaborating with other people. Oh, so you'd be doing fun ads. Well, I mean, not in the way that I was, but I would be doing these things just maybe in a different way than I was. I hadn't thought about that. That's kind of interesting to think about is that maybe you do the same things, but the way that you feel about them and the energy you bring to them might be different. Kind of interesting to think about. Maybe you do the same things, but your experience of it is so different. It's almost like you're not doing the same thing. Yeah. I see this in coaches where they like, okay, you got to create clients and like the posting is the same. The podcast is the same. The conversation from the outside is the same, but the energy that they bring to it is so different. And that's what creates the different results. 
And this is something too that I'm trying to sort of get to grips with. I'm so afraid of falling into back to that person I was. And I went to lunch with the person who's doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. She's like doing some of my ads and TikTok because I'm just not interested in doing Mm -hmm. that. I said to her, that I wanted to create something new, that I didn't want it to be like it was before. And she's like, there have been a lot of authors who have been feeling the same way, you know, looking for the sweet spot in where you sell the most books at the most amount of money, but not necessarily a really high price. But then she made this comment. I said, I just don't want to feel like I did before. And she said, well, it's okay. I can do those icky things. And I thought, I don't want her to do the icky things either, but I don't know if you can do it without somebody doing what's considered icky, but maybe they're not icky if you come from them. What's icky about it? The way it makes me feel. Can you give me a specific example? Let's see. So I've always been a competitive person and I think competition is a good thing. I think authors who raise the bar and make everybody have to raise the bar is a great thing. I think that that's needed in our industry, but I don't like negative competition, like comparing competition. And I only want to compete against myself. I don't want to have to compare about anybody else, but I don't know how it's possible to advertise and to publish without that. See, and that's what's interesting is like readers are readers. And this is good for coaches. Like buyers are buyers. So when people buy stuff, they buy other things too. You're not even in competition. Actually, you want the same people and they'll buy both of them. You're not in competition with other authors. They'll probably buy both of your books. Think that about readers. But I don't know that I feel that way about authors. Like authors can be really mean. And I say that from a place where perhaps maybe I was one of the mean ones, but not knowing I was yeah. one of the mean ones. And I'm going to ask you, I know that maybe you don't identify as a coach, but if you put your coach brain on, people are mean when they're afraid. When we compete, we're afraid we might lose. Versus like, what if we all win? That's all. I like to play games where we all win. Yes, um, I want us all to win. And so you can have compassion and maybe you can show people a different way just with your example and how you think differently and more creatively. There's a beautiful line in a book called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. And he's like, don't compete for what's already been created. You're a creator. So instead of competing, you're just creating. I actually used that line with my ad person. I used that with her. And yeah. I just kind of feel like I was really putting myself out there trying to maybe I didn't describe it well enough because she didn't really get it. What I said didn't penetrate. And that's OK. Yeah. Some people are yeah. going to get it. This is why yeah. we go back to needing nothing. We don't need people to get it. You get it. For people that work for you, you might just have to hold the vision and just say, this is what I want. I know you don't get it, but this is what I want. For your author or colleague friends, you don't need them to get it either. You're like, I'm just trying to pave a new way. This is what I see. One of my friends said, old paradigms don't have to die for new ones to be born. What I think that means to me is I don't have to fight people who don't get what I stand for. I can do that. You can. You already are. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, any other questions from the group? You guys are awesome. We'll build on this conversation next Monday. I'll send more questions in the email so that if you want to journal or reflect, you can continue to do the work yourself kind of internally. So, alrighty. Have a great day. I'll see you next Monday. Bye.